Welcome to episode 89 of Three Point Podcast. Don't mess with your speakers or headphones here. I know you're used to hearing the cool Vince Scully-esque stylings of Ted, but he borrowed our company jet and took a little vacation. So with that, this is Three Point Podcast. Three guys, three generations, three hot takes. The trio is typically Ted Fattel of Z92.5 The Castle, myself, Matt Burns of ESPN, and Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17. But tonight, it's just Jared and I. As usual, thanks to our partners, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Realty and Auction Service, Corona Connection, Advanced Elevator, Z92.5 The Castle, Main Street Pizza, and Sportsnet Michigan. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. Well, Jared, it's just us. It feels like, to me, it's like that first time your parents give you the keys to the car and tell you and your buddy to just bring it back in one piece. That's kind of like what Ted did. No one takes more off days than this guy. I mean, it's annoying when he'll say, like, how he hates, like, kind of today's generation of football, how he doesn't like players sitting out. But I tell you what, this guy takes more off days than just about anyone. Which, as somebody who's from his generation, you know, the, whatever he is, like the silent generation or whatever, where they pride themselves on, like, hard work, working in the Ford factory, he's not that. He, he, takes, he already takes Fridays off at work, basically just watching Game of Thrones. And now he can't even call in for a 30-minute podcast. It's, it's unbelievable. I feel like the, the whole time that you're saying this, I'm picturing, like, when you see the 65-year-old guy sitting on his couch, like... You know, there, there's, the, there's the kid over to the side with, like, a six-pack, and everyone's like, man, dude, you're really in shape. And then you got the 65-year-old guy that's, like, rubbing his big old beer gut, and he says, yeah, well, I've earned this one. I feel <laughs> like that's Ted. I feel like Ted has earned this vacation. He's put in the work. He's earned the time off. So he's going to New York, correct? That's the that's his trip, that, New York. That's what he said. Yeah, I think there's some other stuff, but yeah. He go, Yeah, he, I mean, I guess he's earned it. I mean – but the fact that he's unable to just call in, like, what do you think he's doing right now? That's so pressing that he can't call in so for 30 we're looking minutes. At, so, yeah, we're recording on Sunday evening. So, yeah, um, walking around, probably going to see the Statue of Liberty, uh, the Empire State Building, you know, it's this tourist stuff, I guess. The thing is, it's like every weekend he's he's going somewhere. He's He visits his grandchildren more than, and I guess that makes him a good grandpa, but maybe to me who don't somebody who doesn't have like any kids or any grandkids it seems a little bit overblown he's making a trip to indianapolis or detroit every every weekend it seems to just 
see one-year-olds who really don't do anything. They just kind of <laughs> sit there and cry. That's, that's always your claim, right? Like they're never going to remember it anyway, or they don't know what's going on. But I mean, what, what else do you do when you get to that age and you're, you know, nearing, he's near retirement. What else do you do? I, I hope when I'm that age that I don't have anything else to do. I can just take vacations whenever I want, fly to New York, fly to California, go out on a pontoon, just do whatever I want. That sounds actually pretty great. It does, but I, I the way I envisioned his, I kind of thought, you know, with the, the podcast that we started up, him having like a second leg of a career, you know, like a sports, sports reporter career. I kind of wish that he would go that route, but it seems that he's kind of going in the, like you said, the early retirement route, the kind of rest on his laurels. While Hondo Carpenter, his uh, competition <laughs> broadcast competition, is just like grinding. That's like that's my problem. You know, I just I kind of expected more, but here we are. You know, me and you haven't missed a day, haven't missed a day. But he's missed probably six or seven of our of our eighty nine so, episodes. So we're the Hondos of three point podcasts. Yeah, that, that's a good comparison. <laughs> and and, and it's just as I look to him, like especially during like the Lions game today, he's he's one of the voices of reason on my Twitter feed of, like, the Lions and Michigan, and he's just nowhere to be found. I don't even think he watched the game, like some sports fan. That's true. I mean, I remember, so I lived in Connecticut for a while and went to New York quite a bit because it was just, like, half hour, 45 minutes away, like mm-hmm. a train ride away. So you'd, you'd go to the city a lot. And there are, I mean, obviously New York City's humongous, but it's kind of actually really cool. Like, there are Detroit Lions bars, there's Michigan bar, there's Michigan State bar. So, like, if you're in the city and you want to go to the bar and watch a game, you can find, like, so Ted probably could have found a Detroit Lions bar and went and watched the game with a bunch of fellow Lions fans and stuff. So, yeah, I'd I'd be curious to hear if he did this. We should have have texted him and, like, just have him give us a quick rundown of, like, did he watch the game or did he instead go see the Statue of Liberty, Liberty or something? Because I didn't want to watch that Lions game. I mean, I knew that we, we – you just knew watching the game, that, oh, they're going to find a way to screw this up. Yeah. And I, I ended up getting hurt because that was the first time in a long time that I've had my, like, hopes up and they've been dashed by the Lions. The first time in maybe, like, five years. I don't know, since the last time they were in the playoffs. But my, like, big takeaway from your Bristol story to, like, how you used to go to New York all the time – yeah. When you say that it's like 45 minutes away, is that kind of like the Allendales, like right next to Grand Rapids, when in actuality it's like a 25-minute drive? Where you say yeah. it's like a 45-minute drive, is that really like a two-hour round, like two-hour trip? Actually, yeah, that's a really good comparison because, right, like people – I remember when I went to Grand Valley, I don't know, you don't really – growing up in Corona, I didn't know what the hell Allendale was. You know? Yeah, like, I didn't no, know you what don't. Was. But then people were like – Oh yeah, Grand Valley. It's actually not in Grand Rapids, but it's right next to Grand Rapids. And then yeah, you get to Allendale. It's like no, it's not. It's not right next to Grand Rapids. So yeah, it is kind of like that, especially with the traffic. Yeah, I mean it's forty five. Yeah, forty five minutes without the traffic. Yeah, if you could do a straight drive from Bristol to New York City, it'd probably be forty five minutes. But the traffic's crazy. But but yeah, the, we'll have to get an update from Ted on what he did during mm-hmm. the Lions game. I don't know about you, but this Lions game, like the for the first like. I don't know, 55 minutes, I was like, Matt Patricia is like showing me something here today. He's showing me maybe this wasn't an atrocious hiring to bring him in. The defense yeah. like was balling out, even though they didn't, they didn't have Darius Slay and like Quandre Diggs. The defense played really well, uh, regardless yeah. of how, whether they won or lost. But the way, and it was actually Nick Wright that brought this to my attention. And I, I know you're an ESPN oh. guy, you probably don't like him, <laughs> but I love him. He, he's like hit or miss. Like one take, he'll he'll throw out there. I'll be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. And then like the next one is just completely a Skip Bayless take, and I can't handle it. But when the Chiefs like got it down to the five yard line with 30 seconds left, they only had one timeout. The Lions like for some reason called a timeout right there. 
And I know, yeah. like, that's, you know, people say, oh, well, they were tired on defense or the Chiefs would have scored anyway. But that, like, basically made it so the Chiefs could run the ball in the next play or they could throw it. Whereas if we don't call that timeout, they would have to throw it twice. And we saw it, like, they punched yep. it on the run, basically the very next play. So it just, yep. Matt Patricia, like, basically this a roundabout way of saying, just when I thought he was a good coach, he does something unbelievably <laughs> dumb and changes my mind and just... What this? I can't get over what a crushing loss that was. Yeah, because I mean, coming in, I mean, you kind of laid it out. Coming in, we talked about it last week. Everyone has just been all over Mahomes, and and rightfully so. But what everyone was talking about, this was his first official NFL game on turf. You know, perfect conditions at Ford Field. He was going to throw for six hundred yards and five touchdowns. No Darius Slay. Diggs goes out. Whatever. That was like what in the first quarter. Quandary Diggs yeah. gets hurt. It was just like, oh, God, this is about to get ridiculously ugly. But, yeah, you said the defense actually played really well. I, I'm looking at the box score. Mahomes ended up with 315 yards yeah. passing, but no no touchdowns, no and, and you know no picks, and I'm seeing zero sacks. And now that I think about it, yeah, they never sacked him. But, I mean, for what Mahomes has been doing, that's actually like that's probably one of his worst days, as crazy as it is. But I was definitely thinking the same thing. When they got down to the goal line at the end of the game, I was like, just let them score and give Stafford the most time possible because yeah. the Lions' offense was moving the ball with ease. You, you could tell, like, Matt Stafford that came out with something to, like, prove today. Like, and that was what Chris Bielman was saying, that, you know, you don't think he hears about how Patrick Mahomes is, like, this new gunslinger, basically, like, usurping Matt, Matt Stafford of, of, of that, like, title. It reminded me a little bit of you, actually, Matt, like, at the annual <laughs> Corona alumni scrimmage. Like, you came into that game probably what six seven years ago wanting to prove a point like that that those espn like intramural games like had been working and that's kind of what he did today like he balled out three touchdowns but it just like it it wasn't enough in your case your team won or no actually you lost two the alumni never actually won a game it kind of basically pinpoint exact comparisons that's a great comparison i mean but that's what it was like just an old dog trying to show the head like has some has some tricks up his sleeve it was, especially like knowing he they they were saying like his hip was blown out, his back was blown out. I don't like even watching him like he was kind of like hobbling up and down the yeah. field a little bit. You could tell he was a little banged up. But but side note to the story you just told when I think it was Kyle Clough. I, I'm trying to remember if he was actually coaching at Crown at the time. He's yeah. the one that told me about that alumni scrimmage, and he he was going to play like Kevin Reith was going to play and stuff. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll go play. But I found out like two weeks before that scrimmage. So I started going to the gym like every day and getting shots up. I was <laughs> like, I was like, I, I got to get some shots up. I'd been playing like a little bit once or twice a week, but I was like, I got to get some shots up. But you, you quickly realize, like, I was in okay shape. You quick, quickly realize, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't in high school shape when no. I went back to play. No, it's crazy. The, the, and that it's 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 embarrassing. Like, because we have played in a couple sure. alumni games now, it's embarrassing how out of shape yeah. you realize you are. But it's kind of yeah. crazy. We haven't talked about this yet. How about the Kansas City Chiefs taking a 99-yard touchdown to the house? That was, like, the most, like, same old Lions play ever. But how about Galladay? God, I want to rip Galladay's head off. What was he doing? Just – and he – it was the most, like, half-assed – How he just – Like, slapped him. Run? Yeah, he just, like well, – yeah, First, yeah. he, like, tagged him. Like, it was, like, touch football. Just tackle him. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, just show some heart. Like, I get that majority of the time that isn't, like, a fumble, but the way that – the Chiefs, like, player, like, just got it on his knees and, like, was sprinting. Like, he knew that ball was live. And yeah. Galladay, just just no heart. Just I embarrassing. Mean, it's it's that thing you hear when you're 
five years old or whatever, the first time you play tackle football, mm-hmm. you play to the whistle, you know. So, yeah, I watching that play, I was like, I don't think the whistle blew. What's going on? And then, obviously, the dude runs down the field. And that, what, that was after – Two fumbles in the red zone for the Lions. Two fumbles in the red zone. Of course, they take that, and I don't know, whatever, that that whole complete the process, the Galladay touchdown, they took it away. It looked like a touchdown to me. But, of course, the play after they take that touchdown away, Stafford fumbles and gives it back to the Chiefs. But even the Chiefs, we've talked about it every week so far this season. What, the Chargers, the Eagles, and then the Chiefs. Like It's something about playing the Lions this year that their opponents try and do Lions things. Yeah. And just like turn the ball over, fumble. Like Mahomes has his worst day of the year. Are the Lions actually good this year? And they're forcing their opponents, you know, to play bad. I guess. Th- or no, it's kind of crazy. The thing, the thing that shows me that this is this Lions team is not for real. And I get it's the fans, but I feel like the fans kind of like embody their team. After this game, all the Lions fans on Twitter and just in general are like happy to have like just put up a good fight against the Chiefs. All right. Like yep. what are like when you wonder why our our team is, and I'm gonna call us a program the Detroit Lions you wonder right. why this program has like struggled for eternity it's because we were like taking participation trophies like and, and I know I'm like we're like millennials or whatever but we're taking participation trophies yeah. when in the world should an NFL team be happy that they put up a good fight against a against, just against anyone Patriots whoever so that just shows me like what what is wrong with this fan base and just this team just. Happy to take a close game. It's not how you. That's not how you play in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, because I, I was definitely one, and you know, now that it's been whatever a little bit after the game was ended, it is kind of like, well, damn, we we were let down again, typical Lions. But right away when it ended, I was kind of on that side you're talking about. I was like, hey, two and all, you know, a lot of people call on the Lions pretenders. They just hung with the best team in the league, probably besides the Patriots, maybe. And really, like, almost gave that game away. Like, you could almost say the Lions actually gave that game away. But whatever, they lost. So you, you can say they actually, like, measured up to what the Chiefs did. Now, come playoff time, or if this was in Kansas City, uh, who knows how that game would have gone. But um, I mean, it seemed like the, the Detroit, like, fan base, like, was a little bit, like, they were more into that game than they have been in a long time. Like, this okay. was a heartbreaker. It really was. I can't, I, I'm not going to fault the team too much, because... When they fumbled that ball and it was returned 99 yards, I would have quit. If I was on that team, like I would have quit and folded up shop like right right on the spot. There's that, no way they fought back and they kept playing. They took the re- retook the lead. If I'm in that if I'm on, maybe that's not why I'm not in the NFL, just kind of like a quitter mentality. If I'm on that team, there's no way in hell we end up losing that game by 30 if that happens to me. That is the same old Lions play of that game. Yep. Like, there's always they, one. Stafford Stafford fumbles it and it's kind of like, "Ah, oh, man." But then they like they forced a fumble or they forced a punt or whatever on that next drive, get to the goal line. Why was on Johnson trying to, like, reach the ball out? Like, what are you doing when there's 37 guys on the goal line and the dude takes it back? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask you because, you know, you're a younger guy. You you played football, you know, more recently than Ted or I. Hurdling wasn't that big when I was playing in high school. Like, I feel like if a dude – like, if a guy tried to hurdle, even, like – my years of playing yeah. black football post high school, like hurdling doesn't happen that often. When did well, hurdling become cool? Where, when you played in high school, did guys try and hurdle? Like there was one. That's the talk in the NFL. Like everyone's trying to hurdle nowadays. There was one time where when running back on my team, Dave Dumont, he literally hurdled a guy. 
Like like one of like the hurdles you see in the NFL. But it's a flag in high school football. You cannot hurdle guys. Oh, right. So yeah, it was yeah, brought back. And for some odd reason, Coach Robinson, because it was a flag, like the huddle, like programming, which is huddle is like an app that you shoot. Like for those who don't know, it's like a, it's basically what you put your film on, like football and basketball film. If it was yeah, a penalty, like the play does not get. Yell, right? Yeah. The, yeah. So the penalty did not get saved. So that like sweet hurdle where you just hurdle a guy in midfield, like it's gone forever. Like there's no, there's <laughs> gone. It is like it's for some reason it's only like tight ends, and I guess that's because a lot of people like chop at the at their legs, uh, right. or knife at their legs. But yeah, it's like the last two weeks you've seen guys like try to hurdle a guy, and the cornerback like doesn't even ball for it. Yeah. But I don't know. It looks cool. If I if I I don't know if we're the ones that should talk because I feel like if we had the ability to hurdle somebody, we definitely would have <laughs> tried it. So for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I, I forgot that it's a penalty in high school, so that's probably why you don't see it that much. But One last thing, I just had an alliance. Like, just this Justin Coleman guy, where the hell oh. did he come from? Like, he, he's, he's been balling out all year. He shut down Sammy Watkins for basically the entire day. I don't – where did he come from? Yeah, well, he I know he was undrafted, I think, in, like, 2015. He's been in the league for a few years, and he was undrafted. So, I mean, he kind of, like what you're saying, came out of nowhere. And, I mean, he, he stepped up. And, you know, like Darius Slay being out, he almost didn't even miss Darius Slay, like, to an extent, because Coleman was playing so well. What about the Lions punching out, like, eight balls today? <laughs> that was wild. Defense played well. And it's funny you say the defense played well. They still gave up 27 points. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and with with thirty with another seven coming, like, on the obvious, like, return fumble. But they still gave up 27 points. Yeah. Which is just crazy. That just shows you, like, how good the Chiefs are. Like, it's funny how people will say Mahomes didn't play that well. Basically, just because he didn't have like touchdowns, right? I mean, he he was definitely missing a lot of throws, but still, I mean, he threw for like over three hundred. Like, what was the total? Like three hundred fifty yards or something like that. But he still played three, pretty damn well. Yeah, three fifteen, and he rushed. He rushed for fifty four yards, and he had a backbreaking oh. fourth and eight. That was a backbreaking yeah. rush by Patrick Mahomes, and it, which probably that's the, the Detroit Lions defense. Like I said, they're they're not quitters like I would, but if I was on that defense, part two. I as soon as he gets, I'm selling out the, for that one play alone. If they and if they convert that, I'm basically folding up shop again. So, twice I would have folded up shop. So, at least we learned that we have a tough team. They at least battled, but mm-hmm. like you can, you have to know that the defense at the end of that game, like all all I was thinking was okay, the defense was playing well, but I was like, I mean, how many times are you actually going to stop Mahomes? Like, yeah, what, it's what, only a matter of time. Yeah, about it. Yeah, I was like, it's only a matter of time. They're going to march down and score. I was just hoping they left enough time on the clock for Stafford, but also I, I love Stafford. If if you see my Twitter feed, obviously I I'm a big Stafford stan. Stafford slappy. I am a Stafford slappy. But <laughs> one thing that he doesn't do well, and he actually got him to the end zone at the end of the game today. He doesn't throw hail marys very well. No. Like you, you see Aaron Rodgers, and we've seen him as Lions fans. He's killed us like twice with hail marys. Aaron Rodgers, some of these other dudes throw like dimes for Hail Marys. Stafford always kind of like floats it up there yeah. and flutters. That's, that's one thing he doesn't do well. The last, yeah, that last play, talk about just an, an anticlimactic end to just a wild game where he threw it like right. five yards short of the end zone. The guy just bats it down. No one around him. Right. Just, right. That's what I mean. His, I feel like his Hail Marys either end up out of the end zone or 10 yards short. But uh, speaking of good defenses or lack thereof, Michigan State. Giving up 31 to Indiana, I knew that there was a little bit of debate. You still think that Michigan State has an elite defense. I'm on the side of if you give up 31 points to Indiana, and listen to this stat line from Indiana's quarterback, Michael Penix Jr. 
33 for 42, 286 yards, three touchdowns. He hadn't played in the previous two games, and he just comes out and balls on that defense. How can you still be an elite defense if Indiana's out here looking like the Kansas City Chiefs on you? Basically. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say they're an elite defense. I just looked it up quick. That game dropped them down to 22nd in the nation in defense, so that vaunted they're no longer a top-five defense. Uh, Indiana's sneaky, though. Like, oh, okay. It's Indiana. No, no, no. No, I'm, I'm, it's Indiana. They're it's Indiana. I don't even know if you. I don't even know if you can call Indiana a basketball school anymore. I mean, they are, but they haven't been good in basketball in a long time. Haven't been good in anything for a long time. <laughs> a really long time. But like, I mean, Michigan. Even when they've actually had like a good team, Indiana always seems to give them trouble or whatever. Yeah. But it, it is typical Indiana to like push a good team like all the way to the end and then lose it. That is like that man. If I was a part of that program, they seem to have like one or two of those games every single year. And they just can't win it. They can't get like that program-defining win. I'll be curious to see Michigan State's defense against Justin Fields. I mean, that Justin Fields and Ohio State's offense look like they could probably be hanging with the Chiefs right now. Yes. But, I mean, that, that'll be the test. I mean, this coming up weekend, seeing Joe Bocci and all those guys. The, the secondary at Michigan State actually looks a little iffy. They lost a lot of guys, so they, they're a little iffy. So, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like right now Justin Fields might hang 40 on them. Yeah. But, but you know, oh. but I – I tweeted it out, and I know we went back and forth a little on Twitter. This is – am I not right in thinking, like, this would be yes. the Mark the D'Antonio magic? He's going to hold Ohio State to 10 points, and Michigan State's going to win 13 to 10 or something? I can just see that happening. No, you're you're 100% spot on. This is, exact, this is the spot that D'Antonio lives for, the, like, underdog, no one believes in us. The thing – it's not a home game for Michigan State. At Columbus, night game. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, I, I can, that place is going to be rocking. I mean, they this team is just firing on all cylinders. I would say they have the best offense in the Big Ten and the best defense. I mean, just comparing Michigan State's defense to Ohio State's, they put up a lot better of a fight against Indiana's, as you say, like sneaky offense. Indiana couldn't do anything against Ohio State. I just don't see a world where Michigan State's, because I feel like it's probably going to be a shootout, and I just don't think Lewerke can. He's played well. He played well against Indiana. But it's just, I don't see a world where he's going to be able to keep up with Ohio State and Justin Fields. I mean, they, they look unbeatable. They look like the best team in the country right now. I mean, they look completely unbeatable. And Lewerke actually played great. I mean, yes, it was against Indiana, but whatever. It was it was a dogfight type of game. Lewerke played really well. He, he made some big plays. But the, the funniest thing to me, and I'll be curious, I mean, I, this, that Michigan State-Ohio State game, like, I actually feel like I'm going to be, like, locked into that game. It's going to be a really good one, I think. It. It's going to be a good one. But, like... Everyone was selling Gabriel Union and Dwayne Wade, and everyone else was selling Nebraska as being back because of Scott Frost and Adrian Martinez. And they, Ohio State, just like put them in their place immediately. Yeah. That game was over five minutes into that game. I don't see them doing that to Michigan State just because I feel like Michigan State has a little more pride and, you know, a little Do stronger they? of a program or whatever. I mean, yeah, I'm trying. I don't know. Antonio <laughs> I don't know if they have a choice. Antonio won't let that happen. I just don't know if they have a choice. I mean, Ohio State, we saw it against Michigan last year. They just have, like, head and shoulders the best athletes in the Big Ten. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, they have, like, SEC athletes going against. It's just like a JV versus varsity team. It's basically what it is. Yeah, they, they look they look faster than, they like, everyone. They look faster at every position. Oh, okay, Justin Fields comes in and has to learn a new offense, and it looks like he's been there for five years or something. Oh, new head coach, doesn't matter. The only thing about – how long do you think Ryan Day stays around? Do you think the NFL starts calling? I mean, 
man, you're already <laughs> we just we just got rid of Urban Meyer, and you're already like the only way we can beat this guy is if the NFL. I'm pretty much in the same boat as you, man. The NFL, hopefully they do come calling because I don't know, I don't see a world where Michigan beats them. But Ohio State and like the Nebraska game, that's a classic. And I don't know if you remember this term, Clemsoning, like a big oh, game yeah. where they just come out and shit the bed. That's exactly what Nebraska did. And although like Clemsoning term is kind of like lost its luster because now they're like they've won two national titles and they kind of show up to every big game. Yeah. It's just like when the lights are on and it's a night game in Nebraska and the whole fan base is pulling for you, like you can't do what you did, which is just get absolutely blitzed. I don't care if it's you're going against the New England Patriots. Just have some fight. And they just don't. Yeah. Just think we we talked about the Lions for a while. If if that if Nebraska would have put up a fight like the Lions did against the Chiefs, maybe you could have looked at that and been like, okay, you know, Ohio State's legit. They're top five. Okay, you know, whatever. Scott Frost was supposed to be turning around that program. Yeah. You know, Adrian Martinez is supposed to be a Heisman candidate. He's just throwing interceptions all over the place. And, yeah, that, I mean, they got run off that field at home, too. I mean, for, for one weekend, I could I can watch that game and laugh because that's basically what yeah. Ohio State did to Michigan last year. But One thing I did want to know on the Michigan State game, so you know me. I basically – I watch – I pretty much make it a, a habit of watching every single – state uh post-game presser like if it's they don't play that well or it's a close game or they lose so working in the presser said this so if you remember like he made a really good play ran it all the way down to the one yard line right before the clock ran out in the at the end of the game where they able to kick the game winning field goal he said this he he said he knew that the smart thing to do was to go down the one so that they could this is what he says i'll just say what he said word for word i he was aware of all that stuff that you know, running the clock down, leaving Indiana no time to come back and score. I was aware of all that stuff, so I was kind of thinking about whether or not I should score or not. Ended up working out well. There is no way in hell that he was thinking about that when he was running. Uh, he just got tackled. No, I don't know. Definitely not on the on his side. But I was actually going to take like a video because I I was watching it at work, and when he like broke free, whatever he did, he like juked around that DB. <laughs> Jeez, I, what a crappy I, I, TB. Yeah, yeah. I swear I could see him, like, slow up for a second. And I, I told the dude that I was in the room that I was working with, I was like, it looked like he was about to drop to the, the ground right there, but he was at, like, the 10-yard line or something, so he ran some more. No, I, I actually, I'm going to I'm gonna believe him on that. Because, okay. honestly, when I, when I was watching it, it looked like he was about to drop to the ground. Well, that uh, makes me, because you're the biggest Michigan slappy in the world. So, <laughs> the fact that you're saying that, maybe I am wrong. I can admit when I'm wrong. One thing, I wasn't wrong, though. Remember when we had this debate? where Michigan State fans were complaining that there was, like, no good home games this year. And I told you, I said, yeah. mark it down, Indiana homecoming. This is going to be a dogfight. And it was, uh, yeah. which, unlike Michigan, I'm sure you have some thoughts on – I'm not going to lie, I didn't even watch the Michigan game. I watched the highlights, but it's like, did they really show us anything I different? Mean, you you seem to be, like, locked in on this game for some reason. You were loving was, it. Oh, I was locked in. I mean, I didn't. I I had to work later. Mm-hmm. I was at home. I, I had to come in in the afternoon. So yeah, I was on my couch. I watched that whole game. Oh yeah, God! Well, I will say I didn't watch like the last three minutes. <laughs> at that point, now that that's almost worse. <laughs> just finish it out. Should have just finished it out. Yeah, but no. I, all I wanted to see was an ass whooping. That's what I wanted to see. Don't even mess around. Don't let it be twenty. 20- four to ten or something stupid like that so i got to see that and honestly i'm not gonna say like oh michigan's back carball's got him clicking 
all I hope is it looked like they were trying to throw the ball some more. It looked like they're, I mean, it's against Rutgers. I honestly, like I tweeted out, I think Rutgers would struggle to go 500 in the GLIAC. Like Rutgers yeah. is terrible. And they fired like their whole coaching staff today. So they're just, they should fold their program probably. But, but so, so you have to take it with a grain of salt. But hopefully they looked at that offense where they're trying to throw it to all those receivers and do some more. I don't care if it was against Rutgers. Look at that and be like, this I... is what works. Like, this is what works. So they play Iowa next weekend. Hopefully they can be like, we got to throw the ball. Like, handing it off, even though I do like Zach Charbonnet, handing it off 33 times to him, that's not the answer. Funny, man. You're backtracking a little bit on Zach Charbonnet uh, after you basically called him, like I've said before, Bo Walker in a Michigan uniform. How about that ricochet shot you just threw at, at a couple of the podcast guests we've had on? Uh, Tony Anise from Ferris State, Ryan Brady from Saginaw Valley State at the GLIAC Conference. They play some good football up here. Trying to give the GLIAC some love. That almost, It seemed like you were saying that Rutgers was so bad. <laughs> or I guess you could view it as the, the GLIAC is so good that a Big Ten team could be dropped in there and they would beat them up a little bit. But I don't know. This I game mean, shows is, me nothing. Is, is Rutgers a Big Ten team, though? Yeah, I agree. Hey, birthplace of college football. <laughs> they do have that. Right. The, but this game shows me nothing. I mean, you, you're you even, like, trying to get something out of it, like this passing game. It shows me nothing. I mean, like you said, they're going against a JV yeah. team. They could do whatever they want. They could have ran the ball 100 times. They could have thrown the ball 100 times. One thing that is of note is that Gaddis is down on the field now. Uh, yeah. I like that I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. Because I've always hated coordinators who call the game from up top. Like, I get why they do it to get, like, a full view of the field. But just something, like – the conversations you would have, and I know they have the phone, but the conversations you would have with Shea Patterson, the stuff you could audible right away on the field, it yeah. just seems so much better to have him down on the field. So I guess that's a good sign. Although I'm not sure if that is a good – maybe we should just have him as far away from this team as we can. So maybe he should be up in the press box. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure last week you said he should be fired already. Yeah, so I maybe he, he was, was a bad move. To your point, he was, and they, they made sure to show it a lot on TV. Like, right when Patterson would come off, right when a receiver, he was, like, in their ear yeah. the whole time. So, yeah, I mean, if, if there's one positive out of that, you know, he's right there to coach him up or whatever. But I, I was that I was real curious to hear what you had to say. I figured you would have, like, just laughed it off and said that's terrible because I know you're a Brady Hope guy, and, like, he never wore a headset. So I, I didn't Well, that's because he's a player's coach. coach being on the sideline. When you're an offensive coordinator, you got to have a headset on. I mean, that's – right. But when you're a head coach, he was a delegator. That's what Brady Hoke was. He was a glorified cheerleader down there. <laughs> hey, Sugar Bowl victory. Last BCS Bowl victory for Michigan. <laughs> so I don't know if we can hate him too much. Last time we beat Ohio State was with Brady Hoke. Bring him back. That's true. Hashtag bring back That's Bader, Brady. But we're going to we're gonna have a good litmus test with Iowa upcoming this week. I mean, they kind, Iowa kind of pegs me as one of these teams where basically just because they're undefeated, like they have like the number 14 rank. I don't know if they deserve that or not. They beat Ohio uh, Iowa State, sure, but that was also at home. Right. But, I mean, they did one thing like that you can kind of compare, and I know this isn't like it's apples to oranges in some sense, but Iowa beat Middle Tennessee on Saturday 48-3. Smoked and, up. Yeah. Michigan was in a dogfight with Middle Tennessee. We talked yep. about that week one. Yep. So, if that's any decider of what we're looking at here, it's that we could be in some trouble here. Yeah, you're – their their quarterback, your guy Asher. Yeah. He he didn't look, he didn't look that good against Iowa, and he was no, he didn't look like Johnny Manziel. No. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I, kind of both of those games, the Michigan State Ohio State game and Iowa Michigan. I think you're going to see like a lot. Say if Ohio State does to Michigan State what they did to Nebraska, okay, there you go. Or yeah, if Iowa 
runs Michigan out of their building, then okay, there you go. Like I, those, I, those should be two really good. Games. What would you say is more likely? Michigan State stays within fourteen, or Michigan wins? More likely. Yes. I'm gonna. I mean, just going off of what Ohio State has done, I'm gonna say Michigan wins, just because Ohio State looks like an NFL team. Out there. What about Michigan? I mean, we we just got blown out by Wisconsin, though. Kind of like what you just said a couple minutes ago. I don't know, like if Iowa's a little fraudulent because they yeah. just haven't really played anyone. So, and it's at the big house, so whatever that's worth. You know, you were. I I, I don't even really. I don't know if I want to say this, but you were dogging on me last year for being excited about the blue end zones. You know, at the big house. Yes. They're yet to lose a game with the blue end zone. So what I I probably just jinxed it. <laughs> I wow. The blue end zone. The fact that you you pulled that. Did you did you come up with that on your own, or did you see like a tweet I, that said that? I, I've been keeping it in the holster for what, yeah. like fifteen months now, or something. Probably so. shouldn't have whipped it out now. Maybe after they had like a big home victory, you could have whipped that out. But should have waited until like if they upset Ohio State at the end of the. I think that you saying that now just shows you that you have zero confidence in Michigan because you you made sure to get that out. Kind of like with the Michigan or with the Detroit Lions take last week, where you said that me and Ted were wrong for punting on them. It's you, you knew when to get that out before it was too late. <laughs> yeah, I probably did just set it up. I was going to win, and the whole blue end zone thing going to be over. Michigan's going to be out of the top 25. Yeah. You're going to be back to fire Harbaugh, bring Hank Brady Hoke back. Did, I mean, is it that bad? To, I mean, who knows? Hoke. The, the name getting thrown out there, and I know you are, and me and you are kind of both in the same boat. We don't want Harbaugh gone. But yeah. one of the names I saw where I'm like, I don't hate that. I'm not sure he's, like, the best coach, but he is entertaining. Mike Leach. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that. No. If if Rich Rod was a bad fit at Michigan, what do you think Mike Leach is going to be? That old-school Michigan alums, sports boosters, all the people who donate money, don't want anything to do with Mike Leach. I don't know. I mean, it would be fun to watch him on the field throwing the ball 50 times a game. I mean, I'm here for that. It's a little I better mean, than handing fun. the ball to me. What, I can tell. I can promise you this: Mike Leach doesn't hand the ball off to Ben Mason. That's, that's true. That's true. That's a plus. I mean, you got to take that into account now. He probably would not bring his, his defensive tackle in to run the ball. That no. is probably true. But he did. He's lost like his, the last. He, they're bad. Washington State's not good. And he did. I saw like in his post game presser, they got beat last night. He called his players like fat, dumb, happy, and entitled. <laughs> I mean, like. Can you imagine if, if he did that after a Michigan game? Like, people would be running him out of Ann Arbor. I, you're saying that you would have been opposed to Jim Harbaugh saying that after the Wisconsin game? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying I would be opposed to it. If it I would was, have loved it. They deserve it. So you, you keep talking about Brady Hoke. I, I was going to ask you guys at one point if we ever talked about coaches or whatever. So he's back at San Diego State. So he, he was the head coach at San Diego State before he became head coach at Michigan. Yeah. But he's back at San Diego State now is like, defensive backs coach or something like that is there a more humbling like career trajectory than like get, going back to where your career kind of started yeah. but not as the head, not as the head coach that is pretty uh, that is, time is a flat circle i mean he's back at san diego state that is pretty embarrassing i will say this he's still hired though I and mean, living he, in San Diego. He, yeah, he could he so, could be jobless. He made a ton of money, and he's back living in San Diego. So actually, it's probably not that bad of a deal. No, no. Yeah, if anything, he no, he, he pulled one over on Michigan. He just he he probably knew he he's like, yeah, I'm not qualified for this. They <laughs> I'm like pulling one over on these guys. Yeah, now he's getting paid. Coming off from the job, he probably was laughing his ass off. Told his wife, like, you believe this? Let's go. He he kind of did pull one over in the Michigan locker room. I saw it when I was there covering it. 
there is like a picture of Brady Hoke, like with all the Michigan like greats, his face on the wall. I'm like, this is unbelievable. It's like he was like a god figure. So maybe he he did do it the right way. Get it, get in, get out, beat Ohio State, and you're done. So we weren't doing our podcast obviously back then. That was like peak of your Michigan fandom. Because yes. by the time you were like old enough to actually be knowing what's going on with Michigan, is kind of when shit started hitting the fan for the most part. But that 11-2 and two season with Denard, his first hoax first year at Michigan, that's like the best season you've seen, basically. Yeah. I mean, I still remember how, if you remember when Devin Gardner was given the number 98, which looking back, like, what, yeah. the, hell, what the hell are you doing wearing 98? Like, it's a joke. But when yep. it was like, oh, this is a legendary jersey, like, we're bringing the legend jersey back. And he came out against Notre Dame and just balled out that second year. Yep. I, that's the most I've ever been in on a Michigan team. I mean, just... Me as a freshman in high school, I loved the, every second of that. But it was a, it was a facade. Um, yep. Notre Dame ended up being a fraud, and so did Michigan. And yeah, but hey, we still have some good memories. Denard, at least they were entertaining. I mean, losing to Wisconsin, thirty-five to fourteen. That nothing about that was entertaining. Nothing was entertaining. Denard, Den- I, I tell my friends all the time, or like any people I work with, whatever. Denard is one of my favorite Michigan quarterbacks. Probably, probably one of my favorite Michigan players of all time. I think. Oh, he's my I, favorite, I without a doubt. He was like you said. I don't care if he was through a few interceptions or whatever. You when he had the ball, like you had to watch. He was must watch TV. He he made every Michigan game entertaining. He did. He yeah, and you just kind of lived with because man, he could not throw the ball at all. <laughs> he, <laughs> like, he would, I remember he would, drop like, he would drop like three dimes a game, but then throw like five terrible balls. But you just lived with it. I mean, that like oh, that's classic Denard. It's you know, just you know Denard. he has the smile. He has the he doesn't tie his shoes. He just. I actually was, like, reading something weird that I was in a Denard Robinson rabbit hole. The sports science said that because his whole life he didn't tie his shoe, it made it so, like, the way he strikes, like, his feet when he's running is what made him, like, so quick. Like, it was kind of, uh, along with, like, some genetics, obviously. But Right. So, hey, maybe with maybe Claire, like, your daughter, just don't have her tie her shoes. She can be, like, a really never, good athlete. Never tie your shoes. You're going to be fast. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work out, but... You asked me the question, Michigan State hanging with Ohio State or Michigan winning, what what do you see happening more? Um, this is going to 100% an attempt to jinx Michigan State. I see Michigan State keeping that one close. So I would say I'm definitely – I mean, I have no trust in Michigan. I have no trust in Gaddis. So yeah, I, I, I'm out on them as of now. Like I said, that Rutgers, I still – I basically it was a bye week this week. I just I look at Wisconsin game. That's the last I've watched them. So that's what I've that's what I'm going off of. It basically was. It, it showed me one thing. You've probably heard a lot about Daxton Hill. You know the, the five star recruit that came yeah. in. He's a true freshman. He finally played like I don't know a decent amount against Rutgers, and he like blew a couple dudes up. He he clearly is the fastest guy on Michigan's defense. I don't care if he's a true freshman and is just like blowing coverages left and right. Doesn't know what you know cover two is versus a cover one or something he's your best athlete and that showed me i don't care put him on the field because i would rather see him out there if ohio state's running all these crossing routes and just torching all these dudes yeah then like some fifth year senior glasgow kid just getting beat left and if right. he yeah if he's a better athlete then i don't even this is a bad sign this one I mean, they just have like no difference makers like on this team whatsoever like i don't even know who the well, safety that, is which maybe that's just me being an idiot but right but it's like if he's a better athlete than that guy, like take your lumps right. against the like you said the Rutgers and even like the Iowas. Just see what you have in him, so that it, if it, if there's any shot in the world where we're you know a one loss team going into Notre Dame or Ohio State or Michigan State, like 
he has some experience, and you can kind of he's got to work through some of the kinks where he can can cover some of those guys. All right, so yeah, it should be. Uh, I mean, it'll be a fun college football weekend as usual, and hopefully, hopefully, we're not completely let down the next time we record. Advanced Elevator Company features top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. TheCoronaConnection.com knows it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on all that is Corona at CoronaConnection.com. And speaking of Corona, all parents want to do what's best for their child, right? Well, look no further than the Corona Public Schools where nearly 40% of the entire student population our school of choice students. Rated the top high school in Shiawassee County by US News and World Report, young or old, it's great to be gold. Couple boys clock out about 5.35 trying to All right, that's it for episode 89. No Ted tonight. Uh, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing terrible happens to him in New York. You know, he doesn't get robbed or something like that. You know, we need him on this show. You know, he's the driving force. Uh, but you can subscribe and rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and basically all the others. Uh, follow and comment to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 3 Point Pod. Make sure you just support our 3 Point Podcast sponsors as well, Main Street Pizza. They have some very, very good pizza. My personal favorite is the Main Street Special, uh, Advanced Elevator, Sheridan Realty, an auction company, Rivals Tap House and Grill, The Chronic Connection, and Card Service Michiana. Oh, man, we have more sponsors than I thought, and Promac Engineering. Uh, be sure to check out our friends at Sports Radio Detroit and Z925 The Castle as well. This has been a three-point podcast production in conjunction. I've never liked that word conjunction that he always throws it at the end, but I'm going to read it in, in an ode to Ted with Sportsnet Michigan and WJSC Radio. Thanks again for listening and for supporting Three Point Podcast. There's a guitar on the ground that was making some sound till somebody pulled a hillbilly slip. Now there's fog on the window, she never would have kissed him if he didn't play a lick like this.